this is about to die. And I knew it was going to happen. For whatever reason, I don't know what's going on with this uh, speaker. I don't know why he wants to do this now. But welcome to it. Welcome to it. It is 10 p.m. on a Wednesday night. So you guys know what time it is. It is, it is time for Talk That Talk. I am your host, Terrell Chatterbox Emerson, in studio with my guy, Salim Dweck. There's one more person in studio with us. Person, yeah. Well, obviously, something else with a heartbeat. Spade, come here. Come here. Because you was not doing this for the last hour. Come here. Calm down for me. Relax. So, guys, Spade is, is, is in the studio with us. If you guys pay attention to this show, you guys know I'm always talking about my dogs, Ace and Spade. I brought Ace to the studio before. I told you guys I wasn't going to bring Spade because he, the young one, he might be whimpering. So if you guys hear it throughout the show, that's who that is. You know, say hi to everybody. No, not going to work. Not coming up here. All right. Anyway, guys, in case you are new to this show, Talk That Talk radio show records twice weekly from the beautiful Westgate Las Vegas Resort and Casino from the largest super book in the world for over 50 years. This hotel was the largest hotel in the world for nearly a decade. If you guys want to be a part of this energy, you can come find us at 3000 Paradise Road, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89109. Once again, that address is 3000 Paradise Road, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89109. Celine, mm-hmm. what's up with you, sir? Doing good. I had food poisoning for a day and a half. I did see that. You want to explain that? Because I don't know what the hell happened. What'd you eat? No, I went to some Greek place with a couple of my friends, and uh, food was good. But then I left it. Good. I left the food in the car for about an hour, with the cover. It was covered. Spade. But I Sorry. left it in there for about an hour. And I was so hungry, I ate it after. That hour. And I've done that way many times before, and nothing's ever happened. I have Me a, as well. I have an iron stomach in that sense, but uh, obviously my luck had run out because I, uh, I was sick as a, as a dog. <laughs> sick as a do- That's two, two shows in a row you've done this. Yeah. I don't know what you're doing over there, but I like it. Uh, Spade just realized that the door <laughs> – I told you guys before, I didn't think he was, he was strong enough to open the door, but – Ace just, or Spade just realized that that door opens both ways. So I don't know what's going on over here, but he's probably going to be interested in finding that out. But we got a, we got a pretty packed show for you guys. We're going to switch it up this particular time around, and we're going to do basketball in the first hour, and then we're going to do um, – and then we are going to do local news. And something I've been avoiding for quite some time. Depending on how much time we have in the show, hopefully we won't have much time to get to it. But as always, we're gonna start with my mom's tip in. Um, she sent me, th- oh, did you send me three today? No, you sent me two today. Uh, I like this one. I like both. Life and time are the best teachers. Life teaches us to make good use of time, and time teaches us the value of life. I'll go through that one more time. Life and time are the best teachers. Life teaches us to make good use of time. And time teaches us the value of life. So with that said, we're going to hop right into the show. and We're going to get probably to the biggest news in, in all of sports right now. And that's that the NBA finals are over. They're kaput. They're finished. They're done. Dunzo. 
I realized that when I came home from work today, I was like, wait, there, is there an NBA? Oh, yeah. No. You know what? And I seen this meme earlier, and it was uh, somebody uh, sneaking up, getting snuck up on, basically. And it said, the person I was getting snuck up on, you know how they put the words over it. It said, women excited that basketball season just ended. And the person that was sneaking up was preseason football two weeks away. And I, I was like, yes, it doesn't end. Like, it does not end. The two weeks thing did catch me off guard. Yeah. I looked up and I was like, wait, preseason can't be start. Hall of Fame game, August 5th. Sorry about this, guys. Spade, come here. Knock it off. Knock it off. The moment that we go live, all of a sudden he he loses it. Here, you can go up under there. Go, go. Um. So as said before, when it comes to I don't know what's going on, but I was he was halfway up under the table and he's not. But we we've talked for quite some time about this NBA final, and we said, and it's funny because I was thinking about it a lot. After, especially after yesterday's game, and we played something, or since I played something, we said something that during the New York, during the Brooklyn Nets, Milwaukee Bucks series, we said that the winner of that series pretty much won the NBA Finals already, and then I went into the NBA Finals. And still took Phoenix. Now, now, <laughs> he, he heard it and was like, hey, I got louder. So, oh, my mic is extremely loud, speaking of it. So, Phoenix took the first two games and then proceeded to lose the next four. First time that that's happened since 2006 when Dwayne Wade did it with your Miami Heat. You don't have to smile that hard. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about this one or that one? You can talk about both. <laughs> Mark Cuban, go pound sand and kick rocks. <laughs> if anything happens with Luca where Luca wants to leave, then he, he may. Um, oh, I'd love that. And now that – never mind. Let Let's go. go on. Just Yeah, we're, we're talking about the teams that are in the finals right now. And the Bucks did exactly – hey, no, we're not doing that. Seriously, come here. Um – Thank you. Uh, so it's hard to tell this story without starting, obviously, any, any story when you talk about the NBA Finals and it concluding. You talk about the Finals MVP. So let's talk about Giannis Antetokounmpo. And, and obviously I'm saying it in the uh, Americanized version be, uh, because I love the fact that everybody took to, to social media to say it in his native dialect which I don't want to butcher it because I've practiced Antetokounmpo, but it's Adenokumbo, if I recall correctly. The Nigerian way. I'm right. The, D, the T's are pronounced D's, and the uh, MP is a, is a B sound. So it's Adenokumbo. Excuse me, Adenokumbo. Uh, so Giannis, as I said before, I tweeted this too, before we even get into all of his uh, dominant performance, his statue in Greece is solidified, right? Yeah. You know, I was listening or I read some interview years ago where he talked about the fact that, like, 
when he was in Greece, because he was of Nigeria, his parents were from Nigeria and he grew up like on the street in Athens, they didn't even treat him like he was Greek. They treated him like, like an immigrant and they didn't treat him very well. So I always thought it was kind of like funny that he had to come all the way to America and his nickname became the Greek Freak. Hmm. Nonetheless, uh, I do think he'll probably get a statue there. Um, they're probably already erecting many in Milwaukee. I hope in Nigeria he gets one. Oh, okay, I have to. I have to be honest, and I'm sorry about this. I don't know if he gets one in the states. Does Kareem have one in Milwaukee? It's a good question. Does Oscar have one in Milwaukee? I don't know that Milwaukee. If Giannis stays there his entire career, possibly. So, no, he has one at Staples. Yeah, I know about that one. I've seen that one plenty of times. Yeah. No, I don't think he has one in Milwaukee. See if Oscar Robertson does. And then we'll just leave it alone. But the way that I feel is we'll, we'll obviously get into a little bit more specifics right now. But at the age of 26. He has one in Cincinnati. Oscar Robinson does. Not in Milwaukee, where Not he brought a champ see. where he brought the first the first and only championship until yesterday. Um Giannis it, the reason why I say that it's almost meant for him to have uh, a statue in Greece for me is because shout out to Bleacher Report, who I, I sent you that. Um I don't like that exact design for what they did. I don't. I wonder how quickly they did it as well. I don't, I don't like the arm positioning. I don't like half of it of of it all. Um, but at the end of the day, too, it could have been just something that was thrown together for the moment. You know what I mean? But obviously, I talked about it a little on Twitter. The reason why I feel like Giannis should have a statue in Greece is mainly because one hundred, two hundred, three hundred years from now. We, and maybe it's just me in the way I feel about statues. I told you I want statues at my at my house, and that may be a little creepy for some. But the way that we walk around Caesar's Palace, and granted, this is here in Vegas, and this is Caesar's Palace, right? The aura that a statue gives, ironically enough, is godlike. That's very true. At the age of twenty six. I've already said that Giannis has accomplished everything that there pretty much is to accomplish in the NBA. Yeah, there's nothing. Yeah. The only thing that Giannis technically doesn't have and he can't go back and get is a rookie of the year. Yeah. Giannis at the age of 26, other than a rookie of the year, has done everything else. So, hey, no, 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 no. We're not doing that. It so, is funny to think about who did win the rookie of the year that year. No, it was 2013. 2014. 2014. Was it Tariq Evans? No. Michael Carter Williams. Who, by the way, was Giannis' closest friend on those early Bucks teams and who Giannis went down court and trucked. You guys got to go back and watch that video. Mike Dunleavy, because Dunleavy punched uh, Carter Williams. By the way, there's a great piece out on SB Nation right now. It's from, uh, it was like, uh, her, her last name's... I think her name is Mira Fiernan. She's writing a me. book on Giannis. Oh, I did it. see that. 
and they put ec- and she put excerpts out, excerpts out today in the in the story and I I'm going to buy this book. It looks amazing. It tells me two things. Well, more than two, but the two main things I took. And they're both about Jason Kidd. Yes. I can see why Giannis really liked him. Okay. I can also see why the majority of people that played under him hated him. Jason. Yes. Do they have to do they coincide? Basically, from what I got from that article and what like some of the assistants have said, it was kind of like Jason Kidd was special as a player. He had that gift. And he was ki- he was extra invested in Giannis. But there was times where, like, uh, Thon Maker, right? He was the only one on the team that didn't have an iPhone. So when they were all in the group chat together, like the coach and the team, his was the only green bubble. And so Jason Kidd, like, got upset with him and said, you know, you're not committed to teamwork and unity. And there was, like, a lot of instances like that. There was another one where uh, Giannis uh, had a closeout drill uh, in, in practice before a game against Cleveland, and he kept getting it wrong. But it was the drill. And so uh, Jason Kidd, like, basically, he didn't play him the next game, like, in a game that mattered. Like, and other players, he wasn't as, like, he played, like, Jedi mind tricks sort of thing. He was very good with Giannis because even though he was tough on him, like, he was invested in him because he thought Giannis is going to be a star and he was right. Yeah. But as far as everybody else, yeah, I could see why they hated him. And also I could say that, with 95% certainty, and you guys could play this again and laugh in two years if I'm wrong. Luca and Jason Kidd might get into a physical altercation. Because I'm going to tell you right now, that that is not going to work with him. You might be able to do that with 19-year-old Giannis Antetokounmpo just coming from Greece, like, starstruck. You're not doing that to Luca. I'll tell you right now. But what is worth as well, Jason Kidd, although he the, wasn't the head coach, Jason Kidd has coached LeBron James now. Yeah, and I guarantee you he – no. Not the same. Can you imagine if LeBron didn't get a, a closeout and he's like, yeah, LeBron, you're not playing? Oh, really? Hey, uh, hey, hey Jason, uh, hey. I just got word from somebody. I just got word. You're actually not going to be coaching again. That's crazy. Especially in L.A. and probably not anywhere in this league. Actually, not in college, too. I think there is a high school team somewhere in Denver, maybe. I don't know. I'm, that, don't tell Duna that. Duna's in Colorado. Duna's probably – We'll, is we'll he freak in Colorado out. Right well, he's not in Colorado right now, but he would be in Colorado flipping out. Um, let's let's do this real quick since we're talking about coaches for a quick second. Um, let's touch on the Dion topic only because I've been super quiet about it for for a reason. Um, let me start this by saying, in most cases, I talk to coaches and I'll call them coach. Um. I will say not in every case. <laughs> I will say not in every case. We have gone on record plenty of times. I think we might have even conducted an interview live on air before with TJ Otzelberger, and we called him TJ. Now, here's the deal as well. Not everybody wants that. Right. And... While in most cases, I kind of understand it. You know what I mean? It's a title. You work for the title. However, that is your name. But I've seen cases where, hey, no. 
I've seen cases where people have tried to almost nicely kind of kind of the same kind of the same way that Dion did to begin with and I've seen people just back off of it and the thing with that is we're talking about the SWAX Media Day. The SWAC, the SWAC, whatever you want to call it. And that Media Day took a left, <clears throat> excuse me, mainly because head coach of Jackson State, Deion Sanders, uh, had, a, had a moment with reporter Nick Suss. And the interesting part was, did you watch the entire video? I didn't actually see any. I just saw Dion's comments. Well, some of them. I saw that, you know, he was he wanted don't call me Dion. Right. Things of that nature. And that's exactly what it was. And the interesting part was Dion uh, was taking questions. And I don't know if there was already a, a, a moderator in there or just a communications director in there to begin with. But Dion said, hey, yeah, give me Nick. Hey, Spade, come here. Um, he said, yeah, give me Nick. Give me Nick Suss. Nick's a good guy is literally what he said. My only thing is, in a moment like that, you can't give, when a person publicly endorses you like that, give me Nick. Nick's a good guy. You might want to do good guy things. That's all I'm going to say. Now, when, <laughs> stop. Now, when I see... Dion say, let's go to Nick Suss. That's, you know what I mean? Nick's a good guy. Nick says, hey, Dion, let's start with. Now, the first thing that Dion says is, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, let's, you know what I mean? Like, you don't call Nick Saban Nick. Don't call me Dion. Now, I don't like any case when a person is getting ready to tell you something that they don't like and they reference another person. Just tell me what you don't like. That's, that's number one. Because, of course, everybody went into Deion Sanders wants to be treated like Nick Saban. You know what I mean? And first of all, that's kind of a, a, a boring lead because I get where you're going with it, but not exactly. However, I have seen Nick Saban condu conduct interviews where he is often referred to as Nick. Nick Saban doesn't say a word. I, I get where the uh, Mr. Sanders is coming from. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. It was – Man, what do you want me to say? I, Prime. Like, I, I would honestly wonder if he would, if he would get mad if, he call, if I call him Prime. Yeah, like, like honestly, that's, just, I, that's the coolest That's the coolest nickname ever, by the way. I, I would think so. Yeah, that's one of the greatest. If and, and he goes by Coach Prime. That's his Twitter handle. And my, my thing is, he said he didn't want to be called uh, Dion. Here's my only thing as well, even when I speak about Nick Saban, because everybody was like, oh, he hasn't done what Nick Saban has done in terms of uh, college football, da 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 da, -da, -da. Cool. Then let's flip that script. Nick Saban has also not done what Deion Sanders has done in the NFL. Deion rings bells. Nick doesn't. So yeah, let's let let's kind of switch it around. Like I said, on just a first name basis, if I say Nick, we could be talking about a lot of Nicks. I'm not gonna lie to you. If I go to LA right now, with all due respect to Nick Saban, and I say Nick, there's so many people that are gonna look me in the face and say Van Exel. Yeah, to to be honest with you, I 
I could go worldwide most, and say Dion, and most people are going to say Sanders or Waiters. It's one of the most common <laughs> names in America. So it's know. just it's one of those things to where I, I, I get it. And nobody knows Dion's reasoning for why he doesn't want to be called Dion, but he doesn't want to be. So regardless of the fact, I respect, and this is where the, the line is very blurred. Okay. Just sorry. One no, thing I'm with say. it. I get his reasoning, but what were they supposed to call him? Like, uh, he wanted to be called coach. Coach. Yeah. Okay. Now, at the same time, too, I have been in situations where, like I said, I've been, I've, I interview coaches and I'll call them coach. I don't have to. I'm not your player. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I do it from a respect point. But if a, if a reporter also says, hey, Tony, when talking to Tony Sanchez, which I've seen before, nothing happens. I don't know, man. It's like, okay, coach is, is one thing. To me, that's even more, like, informal than Dion. That's just me. What Like, hey, Dion Sanders, that sounds weird. Cause you're yeah, right. Mr. Sanders, like, come on. I'm t- I'll say prawn. I don't know. I just think Dion is the best out of all those options. I get why he – but you're not giving us a lot of, a lot of here to, a lot to work with, uh, Prime. And and to be honest with you, Nick Suss, this is where I said I respect it. He said, I called Nick Saban Nick. And that's when I kind of laughed and was like, I believe him. I believe that Nick Suss calls Nick Saban Nick. I absolutely believe it with every fiber of my being. Dion said, no, you don't, because if you call Nick Saban Nick, you'll get cussed out right away. I want to be treated like Nick. And, but he, and this is the whole thing that kind of baffles me about the, the situation. Even when Dion started it and said, whoa, 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 you don't call Nick Saban Nick, a smile never left Dion's face. Okay, I didn't see the interview, so yeah. That so Nick Suss says, I call Nick Saban Nick. I'll call you Dion. That's your name. Now, first of all, you already a little spicy. Now, granted, we, and it, it, I don't know if it's going to come out in this show, but we need to have a conversation about UNLV's media policies. And we'll just let that live where it is. Because I've heard from multiple media members, and now, Salim, I'm convinced. It's not, it's not just us. Okay, so I thought it was just us. UNLV just may have a problem with the media. I don't think we had anything to do with records. And I don't think we've had anything to do with records. That's neither here nor there. We'll get to that another day, probably, perhaps on another show. Um, so Nick Suss says, you know what I mean, uh, or he says he wants to be treated like uh, Nick in terms of Dion says that. This is the part where I'm all the way off of Nick's side. Spade, come here. I keep calling you. Um, where I'm completely off of Nick Suss's side. When it gets back to him and it's his chance to ask his question, you can just go into the question at this point. Hey, he doubles and triples down and goes, so Dion. Oh, I didn't see. I didn't see that. Fam, who do you think you're talking to? How did Dion respond after that? He stood up. And he left? Yes. Fam, who are you talking to? Yeah. And he said he didn't leave, and that I can't get into too much of the specifics. I just want to get into the actual situation. The double down was for what? That was stupid. I mean... It's one thing to say it at first, and then he, he, he corrects you. He wants to be called that. No problem. So you respect it. 
You say, okay, that's what he wants to be called. No problem. You don't. No, nah, that's lame to me. To to double down and say so. So what I didn't like as well when he stood up, Nick Suss kind of looked around, and my only thing that went through my head was, I hope you're not looking for somebody to step in and get him, bring him back. Like, I hope if he does come back, they're done with your question. Like, because I don't know where we're supposed to go with this. But anyway, let's let's take it back to where we wanted to take it back to. I purposely stayed off social media away from that. You guys have to come find this to to, to get my opinion on that and get my take. But uh, Giannis dropped fifty in the in the uh, game six clin- game six clincher. Damn, that's hard to say. Game six clincher. Um, dropped fifty points in that game. Uh, Dominant performance. I mean, we, we've talked about it before, and it, the only performance that – or the only person that uh, was remin- – that that performance was reminiscent of was, was Shaq. And kind of crazy to say about a 26-year-old young man who was already a defensive player of the year, two-time MVP, most improved player, all-star game MVP, five, five-time all-star, and now you add NBA champion and finals MVP to that list. That's pretty remarkable. Um, I, I was going to just kind of hold it for the show, but Duna hit the group chat with it right away and said all three brothers got a ring. And Or excuse me, I shouldn't say all three brothers. Three of the four brothers um, have a ring, but all three brothers that have played in the NBA have a ring. So for me, I'm, I'm more interested in the, the after – because if we go back to what Giannis said, and Giannis spoke about uh, whenever you talk about what you did in your past, that's the ego. Whenever you talk about what you're doing in the future, that's uh, – what did he say? I forgot exactly the quote, but <laughs> I started to tweet it yesterday or this morning and say, as of now, that championship is in Giannis's past. The rest of the league should be worried. Because at some point, the celebration is going to stop for Giannis, and he's going to go – Back to working out in a gym without all of you. So he's only going to get better. Um, and unlike Ben Simmons, like I've said before, give me Giannis because he shoots them. So y'all tell me if I was 20, right or wrong from a couple years ago. He's only 26. Not going to be 27 till December. Um, he's not like you can make an argument that like he's barely in his prime right now. He's not. He hasn't touched his prime. His prime doesn't start till next year, technically. Isn't a male's prime 27 to 31? I believe that's our prime. Yeah, with, with the NBA, it's it's different. For I mean, LeBron's had three different primes. Yeah, Don't count him. I think Giannis is going to have something like that, too. because I mean, KD kind of has had two. KD, KD's like never not had a prime except <laughs> like the first two years in the league. That's about it. <laughs> You're kind of right. Um, Spade is... <laughs> The reason why you guys keep hearing the whimpers is because Spade is at this glass window and he sees people. And Spade is a lover. So Spade wants to be talked to. He wants to be pet. He wants to be rubbed on. And this is a new environment for him. So he's really like, if he's by himself for too long, he kind of just looks around like, uh, you guys forgot about me. But uh, let's kind of get to a, a couple of other members of the team and the organization in general. Coach Bud finally gets his first uh, championship as a head coach. He's already done it before, obviously, with um, with San Antonio. Spade, get in. You, I think you're right. He does spend a dog. Um, with San Antonio, but at the same time, too, we talked about it before. Greg Popovich was going to win 
in terms of this NBA Finals because it's Monty Williams against Mike Budenholzer. Uh, I'm happy that Mike Budenholzer was able to beat all of the um, the naysayers online. I know that's not something he probably was paying that much attention to, but it was there nonetheless. And at the end of the day, it, it's something that gets into the ears of the front office regardless. How minute is it or how big is it varies, but it does get to the front office. So I think similar to what, uh, for whatever reason, Rick Carlisle had that on him for a quick second in Dallas, and then he won a title, and it, it, I don't think he's ever really been on a hot seat. <laughs> like once you look at his career, uh, whether it's Detroit, whether it's Indiana, wherever he wherever he went, but in addition to that, let's highlight for a brief second Monty Williams taking a chance to or taking a moment rather to go to the Bucks locker room and and congratulate them and thank them for not only making the team better but making him a better coach. I think we've talked about it before. Monty Williams is a much better man than a lot of us are. Fam, Giannis is holding – Giannis has goggles on right now. Smells like champagne and is holding the finals MVP. I can't do it. <laughs> I'll call you the next day. I can't do it right now. You're going to have to give me a little moment. So just to kind of highlight some other people, Chris Middleton, we've talked about his journey. Uh, Drew Holiday as well finally has a ring. P.J. Tucker has a ring. Bobby Portis spoke about – um being depressed after feeling like he didn't belong in the league. And as he said before, uh, a couple of times we've heard this throughout this postseason run from different players. Reggie Jackson said it in L.A. with the Clippers. Um, Bobby Portis felt like Milwaukee gave him another chance and a chance to play and a chance to prove that he was valuable. And I think that's exactly what he did in this first championship run. Brooke Lopez also has a ring. Spade, we're not doing that. Come here. Seriously. Come here. We're not doing that. Um, Brooke Lopez, one of the NBA's good guys. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And I think one thing that you can't get away from as well is, oh, I'm not going to get away from it. Indiana native. Jeff Teague. Jeff Teague. Has a ring. He, that's what he has. He has one of those now. So um, I thought I wanted to get to one more. Did I want to get to one? Oh, I didn't have it written down, but I'm going to get to it anyway. I need to know. Does Tory Craig accept this ring? I think if Giannis tells him to, like if Giannis talks to him, he does. I think if it's just like an open chance, it's like, Tory, do you want this ring? Like somebody from the league contacts him. I'm not sure he does it. I don't know what's going through his mind. I can just say personally, and I know, I know, oh, it's easy to say. I can know 100% say I'm not taking that ring. It's not a team I'm on. No, and, like, I just lost to them. Like, okay, it'd be one thing if I was on, you know, instead of the, you know, the Suns, I, I was on Denver or something or, you know, Cleveland or whatever. Somebody that I did that you did not have to beat for the championship. Yeah, and that's fine. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'll, I'll take the ring. Why not? I was on the team. What? The fact that you just beat, no. No, Can't do it. I'm not taking that ring. <laughs> because even if you look back at it years later, you're just going to look at it like. We lost that series. Why yeah. do I have this? No, I wouldn't take that unless it was to pawn it. And even in it's personalized, engraved, everything. It's who's. Never mind. 
Um, well, I would just I would just ask like the NBA. Hey, look, I need I need I need a favor from you guys. I need a quick favor from you guys. I'm gonna put this on eBay. Do me a split second favor. But we got about 28 minutes still in this first uh, hour, and I want to make sure that we get to this because we talked about it in the moment, and we said that ESPN couldn't allow this to happen. Similar to what I said with the UFC, and if I'm Francis Ngannou, I'm telling Dana White, take the interim tag off, let them fight for the belt, and let's talk about my contract because there's no way in hell we should even be here right now. That said, Maria Taylor, we spoke about her contract being up with ESPN after Jul- or on July 20th. Ironically enough, it's funny how life works. I tell you guys, sports write themselves. The NBA Finals wrapped up yesterday, and that was July 20th. Maria Taylor's contract extended or expired, yeah, as of as of yesterday, or well, technically as of this morning. And ESPN announced today that her final telecast was the NBA Finals telecast. What also was reported this morning was that Maria Taylor has now reached an agreement with NBC. Good for her. Um, Has now reached a deal with NBC. Now, the reason why this is so interesting to me is because of the perks that it comes with, allegedly. I don't think the details of the report or of the uh, contract are out yet. But nonetheless, they believe that she may have a gig with Notre Dame, covering Notre Dame football. I believe there's a third part as well, but I'm going to get to the second one right now. But – If this proves to be true, I wonder what the negotiations were before this scandal and what they were after. And I'm only saying that because Maria Taylor allegedly has landed the hosting gig for Football Night in America. Which makes all the sense in the world. Absolutely. Now, the reason why I smiled at that bigger than whatever money she got, than whatever additional job she got, we talk about power and leverage. There's power in being seen, plain and simple. If Rachel Nichols thought it was bad that Maria Taylor was the face of the NBA Finals, (laughs) 
now she's the face of the biggest sport in America. Should have just sat there and ate your food. And that's every week. By the way, I remember what the third thing is. Are you ready for this? This is amazing to me. Because Maria Taylor, if this is true, somewhere soon after the NBA Finals, Maria Taylor boarded a plane. Salim, can you guess where that plane took her? Keep in mind, this job is with NBC. So this is after the NBA Finals? Yes. I don't know if she's on this plane. If this is if this report is true, allegedly she hopped on a plane soon thereafter this. Like right after Giannis won the title? Couldn't have been too long after. New York? No. What if I told you that that plane took her to Tokyo, Japan? Oh. Could you have a wild guess of what she's going to have a hand in hosting? Oh, the Olympics. Man, Rachel really played herself, man. So not only is Maria Taylor going to be the face of football, allegedly, she's the face of the Olympics. I'm so excited for football season, man. I'm excited for Maria Taylor. Oh, no, absolutely. That's where I'm at with it. 100%. Speaking of that, we have, what, 20 minutes left in this first hour. So let's talk about it for a quick second. We got a little chance to talk about the Olympics while we can. Uh, Team USA is already in Tokyo. Uh, Four days into the first game. Let's <laughs> hop to it. And in addition to that, and now we got people stopping by the clubhouse looking through, so Spade is loving the energy. Spade is loving the attention. But Zach Levine wasn't or- originally on that original team plane to go to Tokyo. Um, just from – I haven't spoken with him directly, but listening to the media uh, availability and seeing how – Excited he was for this opportunity. Um, you never really want to try to compare uh, emotions and energies and things of that nature. But Zach Levine was one of the guys that are where was happier. It seemed to be here. Uh, so a lot of us and a couple of us in the media, I'll say, we're definitely. I guess the closest thing you could say is root. We're rooting for uh, Zach Levine just to get a chance to go because. Obviously, the um, camp has already dealt with a, a lot in terms of uh, Bradley Bill leaving for COVID reasons and Kevin Love reason due to uh, leaving due to injury. But oh, actually, before we finish up that, before we finish up that, and I wanted to get to this after uh, Maria Taylor, but I just, it slipped my mind. Let's do my dad's tip in really quick. Uh, my dad's tip in, ironically enough, is on the NBA Finals. Tip in. Here you go. Uh, <laughs> I know that now the NBA Finals are over. What? I know now that the NBA Finals are over. There are lots of bizarre numbers being thrown around. The, thir- the 13 straight losses for Chris Paul in playoff games that Scott Foster has refereed probably has talked – excuse me, probably is being talked about. Um, but one of the m- – I dad, I don't I, I don't know how quickly you sent this, but yeah. Um I'm trying to figure out exactly where you're going with this one. But the one that I find most intriguing is that Chris Paul is the first player whose team has blown four 
Seven-game playoff series when leading 2-0. And this was another number I wanted to get to when we talked about the NBA Finals, but obviously we can't get to both sides, so let's get to the winning win. My dad did this for us. But Chris Paul is the first player whose team has blown four 2-0 leads in in seven-game series. Blake Griffin is the only other player who has lost three. Ironically, Blake and CP were teammates with the Los Angeles Clippers. And for <laughs> wow, that's funny. And they are, and that, ironically enough, is another embarrassing number because they are the first team to lose a playoff series that they led at some point for five consecutive seasons. My dad said you can't make these numbers up. The Clipper curse is real, and it looks like it's starting to follow players. He yeah. said it's a scary thought. The last facts that I will leave you with is that the collapse of the Phoenix Suns in this finals by default, made, made the Milwaukee Bucks only the fifth team ever to come back from trailing 0-2. Celine, give me the last team to do it. The Miami Heat came down from 2 nothing to beat the Dallas Mavericks, which has led to 15 straight years of Mark Cuban whining and crying about calls in this series, ignoring the calls that they got, especially in the first two games. But I digress. Um, just his tears bring me such joy. Wait a minute. Didn't LeBron do it? That when he was down 3-1, didn't he go down 2-0? Yeah, I guess that's true. I th- yeah, see, I thought I was tripping. Bron might be the last one. There it is. Um, I know, right? You heard the drum roll, too? I, me, me, me three, actually. <laughs> see, now he over here like, I want to do it. But... Going back to or staying with basketball talk, Zach Levine boarded the plane today's what Wednesday, boarded the plane today I believe, and should be <laughs> in uh, Tokyo. And if he's not in Tokyo yet, he should be there shortly. Let's talk about the women's side really quick because we talked about this briefly, and we talked about Coach Pop and Coach Staley their roles as, as leaders of, this, of, these, of these different teams. And for lack of a better conversation, we talked about the comparison of who kind of had an easier job. Not that any, either of them are easy to begin with, but who has easier? And I told you, give me the one that Sue Bird is leading. <laughs> give me that one. Ace. Spade, relax, please. Oh, Spade. Um, and that's exactly the way that I feel before. Like, I still feel. Sue Bird is leading the women's national team. But as I said before, Diana Taurasi hasn't played in a couple of weeks. One of the Tokyo practice photos that I saw is Diana Taurasi guarding Sue Bird. And I smiled from ear to ear. Salim, is it possible with a starting lineup of so far, of Sue Bird, Jewel Lloyd, Brianna Stewart, three straight Seattle Storm, Asia Wilson, and Brittany Griner. Is it possible that Diana Taurasi is the X Factor on this roster? I'm just going to say it right now. With a roster like that, you shouldn't lose a game. I don't care who is on the other side. No disrespect to Nigeria. They're playing them on the 26th. 
all these teams deserve to be here. No disrespect to teams like Serbia or Canada or Japan. None at all. This team shouldn't lose a game. Like, this should be like some 92 Dream Team, some uh, 08 Redeem Team type stuff. And the interesting part for me is is Asia Wilson and Coach Staley has have talked about it. I mean, BG has talked about it. I think Stewie has talked about it as well. Everybody has pretty much talked about it. This team is going to play inside out, especially when I just said it. You have the reigning MVP in, in Asia Wilson and one of the most dominant, most dominant just players in the WNBA in terms of uh, Brittany Griner leading your front. Now, if you could throw into the post, and keep in mind, too, Brit- Brianna Stewart is there, and that's your three. So if you have three players, and I'm trying to keep it to two for right now because we already know Brianna Stewart is there. So let's say Asia Wilson and Brittany Griner, you have those two. And then coming off the bench, Salim, you wouldn't think that you're getting another one-two punch, literally. But you're getting Tina Charles and Sylvia Fowles. You shouldn't lose a game. That's my bench? I'm sorry. Like, if, if they even lose a game in this tournament, and I feel... About the U.S. men's team, I guess because I have lower expectations of them. I don't know. But I don't think they should lose a game. I think they're Can waiting. we do an over-under on their um, win total? Uh, not win total, excuse me. Win margin. Oh, like? The women. I think they'll eventually average out, like, winning by an average of 15 points. I was going to say 11 and a half. So you're going over? Yeah. Yeah, I'll go over. Okay. What would make it hard for you? Is 13 and a half hard for you? I'm 15. Just because of the fact that I think there's going to be some games where they play certain teams. And there's going to be ridiculous. They're going to win by like 50. I'm trying to figure out the balance on it too. Um, Regardless of if this team is trying to figure it, was trying to figure it out or not, I watched this team blow a lead against Australia. I watched Brianna Stewart have 14 of her 17 points in the first half and have three in the second half. Exhibition or no exhibition, that's confusing. So, I don't know, man. You said 15. Um, I kind of want to make this 15 and a half. Would you go under? I'll probably say like 17 in that regard. Oh, my God. All right, whatever, 15 and a half. 15 and a half over under. Against the really good teams, they might have some close games. I just think they're going to beat up on – I don't even know. I'm not familiar. But I just know that there's going to be some teams where they're just going to win by 50. I mean, I know it's different, but, like, in 2012, the U.S. men's team beat Nigeria by 83 points. That's an 8 and a 3, 83. That's 80 plus 3. That's what they tell me. That's 50 plus 33. However you want to slice it. That's Giannis's 50 burger plus another 33. And I think he had that somewhere else in the, in the series as well. Um, you mentioned Nigeria. I didn't mean to hit that. Sorry, guys. Um, and you mentioned Nigeria. Neko Ogumake and Elizabeth Williams had their... FIBA petition denied. Interestingly enough, I didn't hear anybody say anything about Chanel Gumake. Can you check that out for me? Because Chanel Gumake was 
on the bench with NECA as well? Um, and I want to say, is it Erica? Erica Ogumake? No, I, I, I might not be right, and I don't want to get that wrong. But there's a third Ogumake sister who is on Team Nigeria and who is going to play in the Tokyo Olympics. No, uh, her Ogumake, her position is also denied. Chene. Yep, Chene. The interesting thing was a lot of the headlines that I saw said that NECA and Elizabeth's position was denied, but I didn't see anything about Chene. So ironically enough, at least we have our answer for right now. It's not the best answer. Um, I did hear, I don't know who came out and said it. Somebody came out and said that FIBA just isn't ready to take a firm and bold stance when it comes to women ba- women's basketball. Do you think that that is a statement that was attempted to evoke emotion and it was a bit far or do you feel like that statement could have a little bit of validity to it what did they mean by it like FIBA doesn't take a stronger stance protecting or be like and that's what's so interesting to me because that's what I walked away from it as well like so you uh, and I've said this before as well. Significant involvement over the last ten years with a nation. I could see that being a hangup. If you were waiting to make the Team USA roster and didn't make it and then petitioned, I could kind of see it. I told you guys before when this conversation started, my issue was that she didn't make the USA roster. Period. I think the last minute switch, if we all saw it, the committee most definitely saw it. And I just don't feel like there's not there's much of a leg to stand on in this case. Uh, I think it sucks that she's going to miss an entire Olympics behind it. But I truthfully don't know what more could be said and or done. Um, <laughs> you want to give me the over-under on the men's team? Say maybe 10. 9 or 10. And even on it, I'm sorry, they just haven't impressed me too much. You're not the only person saying that. I, I They just, I don't know. Them, like, not even getting to the semifinals wouldn't shock me. So, ten and a half, you're going under? I, I don't know, man. Maybe ten. I, I really have no idea. But, like, honestly, them getting beat in the uh, quarterfinals would not shock me. I'm going ten and a half over under. I'm going over. The, Kevin Durant is on that team. Is That's where I'm, I'm, I'm going. No, there. and I get it. It's just, I don't know, man. I don't know. They haven't looked good, you're right. Well, I shouldn't say they haven't looked good, but they haven't looked like world beaters. 
I'll say that. And we see it all the time where we see Team USA and we're, oh, there's nobody in the world that can kind of hang with us. Every time I watch Team USA play, I think of another country that could be a- an issue for this team. And it's like, okay, obviously if the best American players were, I mean, besides KD, and there's a lot of other really good players on the roster, but I mean, let's face it, look at who's not here. True. Now, Draymond says something right away, and it never really registered. Draymond said that he understands why, or he knows why Clay, I said Clay, why Steph doesn't play for Team USA. He says, so it's not really a conversation with them. He said he asked him, hey, are you going to play? And he said, no. And goes back to, all right, cool. All right, I, I just figured I'd ask. But I figured you wasn't playing. So I, I Is there a reason? He didn't say it publicly. That got my brain to wondering, and I don't like to – I'm too far away from them to dig into the situation. But I want to dig. So I'm curious. I'm very curious. So we'll we'll see. I'm too far away from them to even say. Shh. But I'll give you one thing though, and this is what was so interesting to me. Now, I don't know the reason if he was if he uh, got reached out to, whatever the case may be. I'm going to name a couple of point guards because obviously we've heard the obvious names. We've heard the uh, the John Morantz, the Trey Youngs, the LaMelo Balls. And I told Daryl uh, on Sunday, how often do you see people get that shot in the first year, second year, third year? You don't see it very often. Keldon Johnson is getting it now. And I was about to say. kind of because he's on a select team. Yeah. And it's, a, and it's a weird year. So unless you're coming from college, you usually have to do it in the NBA a couple of years. Everybody can't beat Tim Duncan. Hey, no disrespect. I think Kelvin uh, Johnson can be a hell of a player. That one caught me off. Like, I told you, as much as I wanted it to catch me off guard, I looked at Kelvin Johnson being added in addition to JaVale McGee. And I told you right away, I said, they've both been coached by people that are on the coaching staff. I don't. I didn't need to think that hard. Yeah. Ke- I didn't JaVale, need to think that hard. Uh, <laughs> don't do JaVale like that. And I deal with reality. If you deal with reality, he a three-time champ. Only him and Draymond got that many rings on there. I'm just, I'm just talking about championship pedigree. All right, let's move on. No, he does have three rings. Oh, thought I was going crazy. Um, Kelly Johnson will, is going to be a hell of a player, though. Oh, he absolutely will. And I, I, and he, really quick, he spoke about, he spoke about his, uh, what was the word? He spoke about his, um. Commitment. Was it difficult for him to commit um, with prior engagements and things like that? And he kind of laughed and said, I don't do anything. He said, I sit home and play video games. So he said, I didn't really have to decommit for much. I just had to show up, kind of. So showed up to be on the select team, and we see where he's at with it now. So it's a beautiful thing to see. But last point that I do want to try to get to, um, hopefully it doesn't escape me. Uh, and I think it's trying to. I thought it was about the Olympics. Maybe not. Oh, point guards. Where's Kyle Lowry? Hold on. Can we get back to the Steph Curry thing? 
I don't know if we're going to get I don't, anywhere. I, I don't know why. Like, I don't know why either. I keep telling you, I don't know why. And I know you probably think that I'm just like joking right now, but I'm very serious. I don't know the exact reason why. And I'm not just doing this for radio purposes. I'll even tell you the so much that I don't know what's going on that I'll give you my assumption. Steph is super religious. I think this country may do a lot that Steph doesn't agree with. And Steph just doesn't necessarily feel comfortable representing it. I want to say that's it, but I could be wrong. I don't know. I have, some of his political stances in the past haven't really gone far. I don't know. I, 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 don't, I have no idea what it is. I mean, could be that, and it could be at the same time, too. Steph is dedicated during the season and maybe during the offseason. Off season, yeah, he just doesn't want he, to. He's family only. You know what I mean? Maybe especially since he's had kids. Maybe, it's crazy that, knows? you know, he's 33. He's never played in the Olympics. That is kind of just kind of wild to think about, you know? One of the greatest to ever play our game. Um, but as I said before, it's obviously for a reason. Where's Fred Van Vliet? No? Okay. They didn't. They probably didn't want to talk to Kimba, right? And, and no disrespect to Dame Lillard, but the reason why we keep saying that is who else is a point guard? And that's where we're at with it. So that's just something to, to, to watch. And I'm not saying uh, Dame's vision is bad, but Dame is more of a point guard out of necessity than reality. Dame is m- more of a point guard because of size. That's what I mean. Oh, okay. I thought you meant necessity, meaning like the situation that he was in in Portland. No, no, no. Because no, I was no. about to say, you could send him to no, Golden no, no. State. And I mean, because he's without shoes on, is like 6'1". So, it's something to take away from it. It's something to watch, obviously. That's why Zach Levine going back and and getting a chance to play in Tokyo is going to be a big deal for that team. We'll see what it translates to. Uh, First game is France on Sunday. Hour number two, guys. Stay tuned. Talk That Talk radio show records twice weekly from the beautiful Westgate Las Vegas Resort and Casino. From the largest Superbook in the world for over 50 years, this hotel was the largest in the world for nearly a decade. If you guys want to be a part of this energy, please come visit us at 3000 Paradise Road, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89109. Once again, that address is 3000 Paradise Road, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89109. Hour number two. Talk that talk. We are... Ending the third month, I believe, of baseball season. In terms of the aviators, I should say triple A baseball season, not just any baseball season. But I believe we didn't get our sponsorship until the second month, June probably. As a part of that, we were supposed to do exclusive Wednesday interviews. It's been kind of hard to get – Manager Fran Reardon so far due to COVID and not literally being able to kind of talk to people kind of face-to-face. It's a little weird. It's a weird year. Um, I guess it's been a weird couple of years. I guess we can say that. But I did do – I'm not going to say our first one because we did do Don Logan with our first show from the ballpark. But let's talk – or let's hear – a conversation, Salim. You can set up your microphone now. Uh, 
let's hear a conversation from yesterday. And this conversation took place before the game, the series finale against El Paso. It just locked, yeah. I don't know what's going on. Our speaker died today, guys. I don't I don't know what's going on. Sorry about that. I think you might have to uh yeah. So that's one thing that he just said right there. You can pause that for a split second. And I, I, I probably won't get into all of this right now because I probably want to save it maybe even for Sunday show when the aviators are actually playing. Um, but Matt Jacob just spoke about the Frank Schwindel move, and he mentioned that he believes that essentially Frank Schwindel was penalized for moving up to the big league. And what he said before was that Frank Schwindel was not a part of the 40-man roster. So if you guys are unfamiliar with baseball, the active roster hosts 25 players. You could have 40 players on your 40-man roster, which essentially, essentially, excuse me, are going to be your players that you rotate back and forth to the big leagues. Frank Schwindel was not a part of that 40-man roster is what Matt Jacob just told us due to injuries to Matt Olson and Mitch Moreland. Frank Schwindel was called up to the big leagues, added to the 40-man roster in order to do so. And as he said before, when you get moved back to the minors, you have to get designated for assignment. And as he said before, Frank Schwindel was probably somebody that the A's would have wanted to keep. But they had to do it. Oh, man. And, and what happens when you need the bat in the lineup? Like, we need this bat, so we have to add him to the 40, man. This is what's going to happen. And later on in that conversation – we spoke about we spoke about the pitching and i feel like we can reference this a little later only because it's going to continue to be something that we talk about i told him that you and me have gotten to this point to where you and i i should say have gotten to this point to where <laughs> i told him it's a weird place to be in 
But we argue the lesser of two evils. And we argue what's been worse, the starting pitching or the relief pitching. And I told Matt Jacob, I can't even remember which side I was on because that's how preposterous the argument is. Both sides have looked horrific at moments this year. Matt made it a point to highlight that Dalton Jeffries, starting pitcher Dalton Jeffries, is one of the players that should show kind of everybody how to move in terms of pitching in Las Vegas ballpark simply because he pounds the strike zone. He said it seems like when it comes to this ballpark, home runs aren't always going to – well, I shouldn't say never, but they're not always going to kill you. They're not – he said even bloopers, even hits into the gap, they're not going to kill you unless you give guys free passes. And that was his takeaway from the pitching numbers. Regardless of starters or relievers, free passes from everybody. Dalton Jeffries was on the mound yesterday. Dalton Jeffries pounded the strike zone as we expected him to. And he, he wasn't a part of the decision. James Nell improved to 6-0 and uh, on the year. But the Aviators did win the series finale. Salim, out of six games against El Paso, our Aviators took five. I remember the other game, actually. Really? Yeah. Nice energy. It was a walk-off hit by Francisco Pena. Um, pretty good energy to be a part of. Absolutely. Salim. Do you want to know their record in extra inning games? Six up, none down. Just another thing I want to highlight to you really quick. Do you know what their record is, well, what their record is in terms of shutouts and shutout games? So how many shutouts have they tossed, and how many times have they been shut out? In that regard, the team is 0-4. So they haven't pitched a shutout yet this year, and they've been shut out four separate times. However, when it comes to extra innings, this team is unbeatable. Literally six up and zero down, so we'll see what it looks like. I do want to highlight one of the things that we also mentioned um, during uh, the interview. We talked about the home away record, and I told him the team is padding the home record now a little bit with this series, but as I told him before, they're beating up on the worst team in the East. Not to take anything away from them, the numbers before this series were the numbers. So, at home, this team sports a 19-17 record. Matt Jacob decides to tell me and remind me that when this team won the division in 2019, they had a better road record then. And he said what he also can't entirely wrap his brain around 
is this season their six-game series here in Vegas? He said for anybody who's been to Vegas, by the fourth, fifth, sixth day, Vegas has won. So these are teams that are coming out to Vegas for six-day snapshots and coming away with three and or four wins in these series. That's not something that he could wrap his brain around, but he did also mention, especially in AAA baseball, um, you see teams kind of can't make anything of it. They play better on the road than they do at home. Of course, he highlighted sometimes you catch other uh, pitchers in different rotations, things of that nature. Um, but he has also highlighted that because there's so long of, of series this time around in terms of six-game series this year, there's there's not – I would love to kind of give you – I don't want to say snapshot – a visual – of how this team has been in terms of that, but there's no real way to do it. And one real reason that Matt Jacob brought up is because with these six-game series, you haven't seen a lot of these other teams in the league. As he said before, by this time in 2019, you have been to El Paso, I believe, maybe twice. You haven't been to El Paso yet this year. And because of the way that the divisions are stacked, I'm not sure that we are going to El Paso at all. Now, this team, as I said before, five up, one down on this homestand, runs their record to 34 and 32 on a year. They're currently in third place of the Western Division of the AAA West. They are a game and a half back of Tacoma for second place, and they are seven games behind Reno for first place in the Western Division of the AAA West, as I said before. Keep in mind, guys, the Las Vegas Aviators are the AAA affiliate. Hey, knock it off. He will really sit here like a child and just whimper at this window. We're not doing that. Spade, knock it off. Now, in case you guys don't know, the Las Vegas Aviators are the AAA affiliate of the Oakland A's. Salim, have you been following the Oakland A's news? Spade, come here. Have you been following their news? <laughs> for who? For I think it was very bad for Oakland. So here's the deal. Um, the city of Oakland voted on a new ballpark for the A's. That should be good news, right? That should be great news. Except they were voting on a proposal that the A's had not agreed to. Salim, how many other cities, how many other cities are doing that? Voting without talking to the team. Come here. This is not a game. Speaking of that, Dave Caval, by the way, or Caval rather. I'm, I'm at, you're so like everybody's aware. Like I'm at 
<laughs> I'm about to say you wish purgatory on the A's? That's ridiculous. Wow. Just a whole lot of treading water, huh? Um, Dave Caval came out and said that he was very disappointed, obviously, at the state of Oakland moved forward with their vote, especially considering that they had not approved that original proposal. But he also mentioned that some of the, the language and um, – verbiage of when the team would get other promises. Whether certain bridges had to be crossed was not, it, it was new information and new words and verbiage that was added to the document according to um, according to give According to, give me one second, guys. Uh, Dave Caval, uh, give me, matter of fact, give me one second because we're, we're live. So go ahead and stop the live really quick. Just give me one second. Let's pause this really quick. Sorry about that delay, guys. Sorry about that. Um, but we can hop right back into it. The Oakland A's did not approve that whatever was, was being, uh, that proposal that was originally being voted on by the city of Oakland. Um, it was a waterfront part to whatever reports I was reading, except it wasn't what the Oakland A's, as I said before, had agreed to. That does open the door, once again, for Las Vegas. I've heard a lot of things heating up recently. I've heard um, a couple of open spaces that I know about here in the city that have been uh, talked about. They've talked about... The, and I don't think I'm breaking any news here, but they've talked about the Rio, possibly getting rid of the Rio and using that land as a ballpark, um, which I don't think is a bad area by no means. But if you've been in that area, the sun beams and it's kind of open in that area. So any, any stadium in Vegas would be at least retractable. And you just kind of talked least. about it. There is no at least when it comes to this because it, it would be a retractable roof. Everything that I've heard. The reason why I say that the, the at least is because with the way that the Oakland A's have been moving, the way that the Oakland A's brass and front office have been moving so far, they're not cutting corners. They're asking for what they're asking for, and I don't think that, as you said before, when they've come to Las Vegas Ballpark and they've, they've looked at the ballpark and they love the amenities and they love how it looks, it doesn't exactly look like a major league stadium in terms – well, obviously in terms of seating and everything else, but – you brought up the fact, and you brought it up to Don Logan as well, the roof. At some point, it's still Vegas. It's still a desert. So I believe that in every proposal that – I shouldn't say proposal, excuse me. In every report that I've seen, speaking about the A's and Dave Caval. Caval, Caval, Caval. Yes.
and, and you know what? And it's funny, funny because we're getting to that point now where I was at the game yesterday. And by the way, because you don't even want to play with that, with the in-between. But I feel like what's so interesting is sometimes Vegas, and I shouldn't say sometimes, but nah, let's just call it for what it is. Sometimes Vegas has beautiful weather where it's just like, nah, this is perfect. So I could see that. I could see maybe maybe doing that. They can get it then. They can get a little piece of it then. But he's put the, he's had like the windows down. I think <laughs> that's a podcast happy song, by the way. Um, I truthfully feel like when it comes to this move, certain things are not negotiable for them. And I think that's probably the way it should be because they've locked themselves into the situation in Oakland for quite some time where they voiced for years probably close to a decade now that they are they haven't been happy in Oakland. So, as you said before, I think it's something bigger than just the A's. It's probably something bigger about the city itself. But What about San Diego? I'm telling you, man, none of this matters if they do not win at all. And that's my only thing. You think they do it. Uh, never mind. I was going to give you a question, and I don't even know if I want you to answer that. Um, let's just move on really quick, and let's talk about some boxing really quick, because I know we're going to get you out of here. We're probably going to get out of here a little earlier than 12. Uh, Spade is over here panicking on me, but we're, we're good. He's learning. He's learning. Um, probably close to hour number three for him. So, yeah, we're going we, we gonna to let him get out of here a little early. But, Celine, we got some Las Vegas news. As if boxing wasn't already Las Vegas news. I got some special Las Vegas news. You ready for it? Ready. This Las Vegas local, this Las Vegas native, this Las Vegas son, this Las Vegas kid, and I mean this with all due respect. Caleb Plant has agreed to about with, in very many people's eyes, pound-for-pound pound best boxer in the game right now, Canelo Alvarez. I believe that fight is set for September 18th, I believe. Salim, can you triple, quadruple check for me? Date, the fight date. I believe it's September 18th. Now, Canelo and Caleb Plant. I believe it is, too. And I'm trying to triple check a couple different things. Okay. All righty. And, hey, no, come here, kiddo. So, Caleb Plant has been calling for this fight for quite some time. The thing that's interesting about never lost. Let's talk about it. I, I, they're not the same fighter, but Callum Smith had never lost either. He said he's been calling for this for quite some time. You know, my mom told me when I was very, very young, be careful what you wish for, because you're gonna get it. 
tell you one thing. I don't care how many. I, I'm not gonna ever wish to get in the ring with Finn Balor. What if? And the interesting thing is, regardless of whether you felt that way or not, and you felt comfortable and confident about it, let's be honest. Even if you were calling out Canelo, well, let me let me not put you in the situation. If a person is calling out Canelo, and Canelo's response essentially is, "Don't worry, I'm coming for everybody." At some point, you don't have to ask. It's coming. Canelo knows who, who we are. Canelo Alvarez let everybody in the division know, relax. I'm going to make my rounds. Just relax. For and, and I know I know we're merging sports. Go ahead. No, sir. Greatest greatest fighter in the world. Probably the greatest fighter ever. Of course, I mean, to be fair, that was when he was pretty young. But and I want to make sure I'm not tripping too. Caleb Plant, if I can't find it anywhere right now, I believe Caleb Plant, if I'm not mistaken, um. Lives in Vegas now, but obviously is uh I should say his hometown. His hometown is Ashland City, Tennessee. Um, I believe he lives in Vegas now, and I I don't think I'm pulling that from osmosis. Um, won't say where I believe I got that from, but um, Canelo Alvarez. We we've talked a lot about inevitable, and the reason why I said I was gonna mix uh sports is because Kamaru Usman said that he wasn't necessarily satisfied with some of his title defenses. That he wanted to start lapping the division. Meant was essentially wiping out the division for a second time. And what that means is anybody who I've already seen once, if they're next, put them in front of me. Two, three, whatever it is. Whatever bout this is, if they're next up, put them in front of me. Gennady Golovkin. The other one was all the way back in 2006, one month before he turned 16. He was 15 years old, and he had a draw against Jorge Juarez, who did not have the Wikipedia page. Is that relevant? Yes. If I'm him, absolutely. Hell yeah, it is. If I'm him, that's tattooed on my chest. That's tattooed on my chest, dog. How old was I? Fair enough. 
<laughs> like, nah, that's tattooed on my chest. That's tattooed on my chest. A million percent. It might be tattooed on my and, forehead. And the tie, the draw they had, was just pretty. Cool. Might go back Salim, I'm putting that on my wall. Those trunks, those gloves, everything is framed. So that was June 17th, 2006. You know what? Time out real quick. You know what I would say if I was that fighter? Give me his name again. The, the when, it, when Canelo was 15. Jorge Juarez. For me, I don't care what anybody else says. I would say that two people have beat Canelo. Floyd and me, according to one judge. I don't care. I don't care. I won. He told me I won. Okay, so I'm, I'm trying to look up information on this guy. <laughs> he will not find it. No, like Jorge if I was him, I would have retired after that, too. But he has a. Until Canelo yeah, walks up and they're like, "Do it again, do it again." A little faster, a little stronger, a little Looks more like gold, <laughs> a little more gold, maybe. You good, Thugger? You come, you come for me? Oh, I know. So, matter of fact, you might be able to find something in that a little after the show. Um, two other heavyweight fights have also been uh, announced. We had Sam Gordon on before. We talked about a potential date, and, of course, he was doing a little reporting when he did so. Um, speaking about Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury, their trilogy match has been reset. It was supposed to be three days. So, Liam, can you picture that? If we were three days away from that heavyweight clash? July 24th was the original date for Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury. And that's been moved back to October 8th due to a positive test, two positive tests in the champs camp, one of them being a champion. What? So why again, if my point exactly, so why again, if I'm Jorge Juarez, why would I not frame that? I'm framing that. This kid was a a legend at 15. Come here. We knew this already. Like, we knew this going into it, so it shouldn't be entirely, like, new news. So, um, another one that we have. I, I even looked at the pronunciation before the show, and I knew it was going to be hard when I got to this last 30 minutes in this show. But, yeah, I don't know if I'm framing those. Yeah, like, if you're 23 and you tie with a 15-year-old boy. I don't know if I'm framing those. Yeah, like, I don't know, man. I don't know if I'm going to tell anybody that story, actually. I would just kind of be like, yeah, we fought. Back yeah, we, yeah, we, yeah, you know, we, we, mutual respect. Oh, what happened? Just, you know, mutual respect. No, you could say what it was. You could say split decision. But if they start asking specifics, that's when you got to – none of that matters. He did his thing. I did my thing. No. You know, I punched him. He punched me. Hey, you know, it's boxing. You know? <laughs> and then the refs judged it. That's kind of the way it worked. Um, 
the refs are going to have their hands full, obviously, with that Tyson Fury-Deontay Wilder fight, but they're also going to possibly have their hands full with this Anthony Joshua Alexander Usyk fight, which is set for September 25th, if I recall correctly. Salim, we've talked about what this heavyweight division looks like if some of these different things happen. If Deontay Wilder wins and Anthony Joshua loses, how big of a conundrum are we in? Is that – actually, that's not the question I want to ask. Take that back. Is that better for the heavyweight division or worse? Nobody would have an O anymore. In terms of boxing, no. For what it's worth, Bud doesn't have a loss. Errol Spence doesn't have a loss. Yeah, no, no offense. No, I mean, I'm, I'm just saying for right now. Unless their paths cross, if they wipe out everybody that's in front of them, we talk about generations and things like that, they can only fight who's in front of them. I mean, for what it's worth, Kelly Brook was undefeated until last, what, two or three fights? So before he retired, after this loss to Bud, I don't know. Are you, you going to talk, Spade? Go. Go. As long as you don't whine, like, are you getting real antsy now? And it's starting to to, to irk. Um, but I will say. The, as as Spade is soaking up all the energy and the love from from Salim, we have about twenty five minutes left in the show, and I think, as I said before, we'll get out a slightly early. I think for this last twenty minutes, I'm gonna talk about this only because I'm gonna give Salim a quick chance to just say whatever he want to say because I don't know when I'll discuss this again. If I'm not gonna say if ever, I just don't know when. Um, I've done a really good job at ignoring this. Now, if you ask me the reason why I'm ignoring it, I don't know. And I think the truth, the the real true answer that I want to give you doesn't make me happy. So I'm trying to just not, like, I'm trying to just pretend it's just not there. Because I think I know the reason why I'm trying to ignore this. Because I don't see this ending well for Green Bay. When news broke that Aaron Rodgers was offered two years at an undisclosed rate of money because he would have been the highest paid NFL player in history. Aaron Rodgers said, no, thank you. I believe that was either, I don't think it was Donald Driver, it was somebody from, it might have been James Jones, who said, Oh, guys, Aaron Rodgers doesn't need the money. 
might have been James Jones. It was a former teammate, Greg Jennings, somebody said, guys, I think you guys like, and this was weeks ago, saying I think you guys overestimate Aaron Rodgers in a dollar. If he's not happy, he's not coming to work. Hey. Away from that door. If you want to truthfully talk about it, we can get into that. And as I said before, too, Aaron Rodgers seems like the type of brilliant that I know what you're going to do. So I'm going to give – we all have those friends in our in – our, in our I got to say, it's hilarious to me that someone like Rodgers is having that kind of conversation with someone that's like way higher up. Can you grab him real quick away from the door? Because um, he's, he's leaning on the door. I just don't want him to try to sneak out. But um, – well, we're still live for the last 20 minutes, so I don't want to just keep calling them. But um, as I said before, the writing's on the wall, I feel like. And it's not much that Green Bay can do. And... Is it ruining? Well, not ruined, but I mean. And is it petty? It's definitely petty. You're a Packers fan. <laughs> you might feel differently. Than Spade, come here. And everybody else feels. And I get that. You're not doing that. Just because you whine louder doesn't mean you got the, you're about to go outside. That's not the way that works. Yeah, I need you to calm down. I'm going to be honest with you, man. Hey, come here. I'm going to be honest with you. If I can give you one honest answer, for quite some time, I felt like Aaron Rodgers was going to come back to this team. And I stand by that. I think he was. I'm not sure that he is now. And the reason why is because I think Green Bay believed it. And it's one of those things to where, and Salim, I'm going to give you a, uh, I'm going to give you a, <laughs> this is going to be so sick. This is going to be so sick. And it's a slight podcast conversation, but we'll get into it uh, another day. You know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of an abusive spouse. And I don't mean just, Physically, verbally, emotionally, anything like that. Let's say it's just a spouse who cheats. This could be a form of abuse. That is. Now, if that person who cheats, who always cheats, if that person that is on the receiving end of that cheating always threatens to leave not that Aaron has but always threatens to leave but never does we've seen it oftentimes that cheater gets comfortable yeah, you're, not you're not going anywhere oh, where are you going? 
Relax. Calm down. I love you. Come here. here now. I came home, right? Now. This Aaron Rodgers deal, I think that's what it was. I'm going to be honest with you. I think that's what it was. I think Green Bay was like, guys, he's in his feelings. He's going to do what he does. He's going to have his smart remarks. He's going to probably drop a joke or two. He'll be here. And I believe that's when Aaron Rodgers partially was like, yeah, I'm going to go. I'll make sure I'll be there by whatever day. Oh. Oh, y'all think this sweet. And I truthfully think that Aaron Rodgers has not thought about football. I, I absolutely believe that. I think Aaron Rodgers is at the house doing everything to keep his mind away from football. I don't blame him. Salim, I think Aaron Rodgers could sit out a year. Give me a year. I just hope his entire career is – I hope it isn't over. I love watching him play. You know, just let go. I was just about to say to talk about it. If he doesn't show up, what's the hall gonna look like? It the the, the hall is significantly diminished. Yeah, it's better than nothing. But get what you can, build around Jordan Love. I like I said before, I don't not think Jordan Love is exactly. gonna be a regardless, good player. Regardless of what we think, they drafted him in the first round, you at least have to if you're gonna secure the draft pick and be in the first round, you at least gotta like try. Salim, I'm going home. I'm not. I was going to try to stretch this conversation. I'm not doing it. And they said it, too. They were like, I forget who the person said it. They were like, this is the Packers' plan. If we draft Jordan Love and pick him up in, like, five or six years straight. That's what I said. All right, Salim, and I just said I didn't want to have this conversation, and you're doing this on purpose. I'm saying this, and I'm leaving. There's no speaker, so there's no music tonight. When I'm done, I'm hitting this, and I'm leaving. You dig what I'm saying? Sure. Bet. You ready? Spade is ready. Spade has been ready to be out of here. Are you ready? Celine. I told my dad, and everybody made me sound like I was nuts. I said when we drafted Jordan Love, I said he's going to sit his entire rookie contract and then sign a new one? Because he's not going to play for five or six years. And my dad said, how long do you give Aaron? I said, Tom Brady is 43. Aaron Rodgers is 36. I, I said, I think I'm cutting him short. I think I'm cutting him short by saying five to six years. If Aaron Rodgers at 41 was still the, the, the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers, I told my dad, I wouldn't bat an eye. I told my dad, now with Jordan Love, and I think I might have told my dad this in, in the moment, and I don't want, I hope I didn't jinx it, but I told my dad with Jordan Love here, I don't know that Aaron is our quarterback at 38. We can go and check Aaron's age. Aaron will be 38 December 5th. This season.
Guys, I'm going home. I typed Aaron Rodgers to Google, and the first thing that came up in the news section was Shaley Woodley dropped Aaron Rodgers hint to a quote-unquote discussion he's making right now. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get out of here with this. If Aaron Rodgers, you know what? It doesn't even matter. If Aaron Rodgers doesn't play this season, And Green Bay decides to trade him. I told you before, I'm not sending him to Chicago. Not sending him to the Niners. Not sending him to Bill Belichick. That's ob- that goes without saying, right? Can't go to the Saints. Can't go to, obviously, certain teams. We've talked about the Raiders. We've talked about what they have to offer. Salim, I'm going to be completely honest with you. We talked all season long about your fan base being a little overly on tour. That Josh Rosen move by Miami, granted it was before Tua. If Tua doesn't light up these NFL teams in year number two, which I think is a tough ask, because any quarterback, you would assume that they're going to slightly dip in that second year. So asking him to elevate more and get to the playoffs potentially. Only thing I'm only thing I'm getting to is if he does not do it, I'm looking at Miami in terms of Aaron Rodgers and saying, you know what? It could happen. Absolutely. And I think it, you know, it'd be worth it. We just talked about it before. And as I said before, I'm, and I know a lot of people would be like, oh, Tua, Tua, Tua. I've said it before. Unless you're giving me Patrick Mahomes. I'm not going to get a quarterback as great as Aaron Rodgers. So I kind of don't want one back, period. It almost doesn't matter. It almost does not matter. Give me, like I said, if I'm looking at Pittsburgh, give me T.J. Watt or Minka Fitzpatrick. No, I've you've asked me this seven times, and I don't think so. I don't want Baker. I just and, and like I said before, and I think it sounds like I'm I hate Baker, and I don't. Fam, it would be Baker Mayfield coming off of Aaron Rodgers. Well, I don't want to do that to Baker. Right, but that would be any. It wouldn't be. Give me Josh Allen. I don't feel the same way. Yeah, but that's not gonna Give me Justin Herbert. I don't feel the same way. Give me Kyler Murray, and I don't feel the same way. Is, is Kyler Murray not reality? I'm just saying. He is, but if Aaron Rodgers, you know. Josh Allen isn't reality. If Aaron, if Aaron Rodgers is 31 or 32, but right. they're not giving up Kyler Murray for almost 38 Aaron Rodgers. Why the hell would you give up Baker Mayfield for Aaron Rodgers then? Baker's done cool things, guys. <laughs> Baker's good. I, I, I like I, I'm, Baker. And I, the same way that we're talking about Tua, I don't know that if Arizona doesn't make the playoffs again, that they're not looking at Kyler Murray like, you're the problem. I don't know that. I do not know that. Because I think Kyler Murray is really good. I'm not as high on him as a lot of other people are. Um, he's a passer. So to me, anyway, to me, there's a clear difference. Did you see him play in Dallas? Yeah. He's, 
He's inconsistent, yeah, but I think he's learning the game. His body, no, his body's not used to it yet. I've I've admitted being wrong about Josh Allen, and I'm probably going to be wrong about Justin Herbert. I was wrong on Allen and Herbert, and uh, yeah. And I've told you guys I watched I watched Josh Allen play in person, and was like, yeah, I don't know. Not that he was a bad quarterback, but I was like, fan, we talking top what now? And by the way, guys, we 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 don't mind being wrong. We're not oh, wrong I'm, often. I said it. I was wrong on Herbert. Wrong on Josh Allen. I'm sure I'll be wrong many times again because I am not an oracle. I'm not like that octopus that predicts the World Series and stuff like that and get it right. Don't we have a gopher that predicts? No, it's a groundhog that predicts what? That's in New York. It's a groundhog that predicts whether summer lasts longer or something. Yeah, yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Whatever it is, it's something that. Probably is going to make his way to Vegas sooner or later. Um, Salim, you got anything else, man, before we get out of here? And the one thing is Go Aviators. Oh. Oh, I can't go. Hmm? Um, what you were saying earlier about Dolphins fans being angry, it's not necessarily that. It's more of the fan base is kind of split right now. And national media members, a lot of them have gone so hard against Tua where it's kind of like it's almost personal. Like, it's a little weird to me. I've seen, especially like Ben Golden, a writer for the Patriots, used to be a Dolphins writer. Like, dude, you're a Patriots writer. Why is Tua always in your mind? Like, it's weird. It's extremely strange to me. The fact that he's in his division doesn't give it any credence for you? No, because there's a lot. He's like, he's always talking about it. It's very strange how much disdain a lot of national media members have for him. How much they piled on this guy who went through a career, almost a career-ending injury. That ended Bo Jackson's career. And had a vet who was loved by the locker room and everybody wanted to play in that one season. It makes a lot of sense. So I think a lot of Dolphins fans, when they kind of get high, it's more of like a pushback against that. Against like, all right. Well, keep in mind, too, I think you might have misheard me or maybe I might have even misspoke. When I said high on Tua, I thought I said they weren't that high on Tua. Oh, no, you said were. That's why I was confused. Okay, I thought I meant weren't. Well, I definitely meant weren't then because – we talked about how everybody was coming hard, coming down hard on Tua, and after the season, we were like, I didn't think he played that bad. Like Tua had one bad game, and I want to say, was it the Colts? Buffalo. Buffalo game, horrendous. Like I think I might even text you and was like, bro, he this first time I've really seen him that he looks bad. I've seen him look like a rookie in moments. He looked bad that game for a rookie year for only one time. I think you you gotta you gotta take that. That's my point. Unfortunately, because look at Josh Allen. Look at what just happened. Can you imagine if they moved on from him after his second year? 
Buffalo's a new Buffalo curse will start. My point is, is we might still be in one. For me, unless it's getting Aaron Rodgers, and I know he's gonna be like healthy. Like if Tua is at least solid this year, I just hope we keep him. Like this would be new offensive coordinators. Let him. I think he's gonna have a really good year. I don't think he'll be amazing. But I think he'll be a really good year. We thought last year was a really good year for him, and. That's what, yeah, that's what, obviously, too. right. Almost a career-ending injury, no mini camp, rehabbing the entire offseason. I'm still going to go back to that backup quarterback. It's just, it's it's not an ideal situation to be in. I don't know when I'm playing. I don't know if I'm playing. If I make one mistake, this guy can win a game. I don't know what this is. Then just start Ryan. Like, don't do that to a guy's psyche where, like, now he's playing for his team. Because a lot of times he didn't want to throw it down the field. One, because the playbook wasn't easy to learn. And two, because he's feeling, okay, if I throw it in a tight window or I throw it long and it doesn't work, am I going to get benched? Because the first thing they're going to say is he would have he got it. He would have connected it. And that lucky throw pick had against Oakland. Don't tell Dolphins fans. I, I almost said Dolphins fans. You are a Dolphin fan. Was it Gasecki? No, 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 it wasn't Gasecki. It was. I think it was. I think it was yeah, on the sideline. I think it was. It was the luckiest throw. It was ridiculous. And after he made that, I'm like, oh my god. And then talk about two out Monday morning. It should have been. Behind a nutso play. Yeah. Um. So my my point is, you know. Before we get out of here, really quick, I want to end this with hot takes. Only because we're talking football and we got the juices flowing real quick. Give me hot takes right now. Boom, go. Now, now, now. I think I'm going to go Stephon Diggs as top three in MVP voting. I'm leaving, guys. I'm so glad I ain't got no music tonight. Guys, until Sunday, I am a Packer fan, sir. He is in my division. Guys, till next time, Sunday. Talk to you later. See you later, guys.